United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Cross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Cross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that you gotta watch that sound. Was I ready? I have to sneeze and cough. We'll get it out. You just gotta remember to delete this. Jesus Christ. I think I have either a cold or sh- getting over strep. I feel miserable. Well, you didn't go to the doctor, did you? So no, I didn't. We'll never know. Mm. So we'll never know. Today during... Um, our supervisors meetings though everybody was like why isn't chelsea talking and i was like i don't feel good and then they're like go to the doctor and i'm like i never have good luck at doctors and then they were asking they're like it came up when i went to the doctor because i had double pink eye because the bird flew into my head and then the doctor was just like damn that's crazy and then that (laughs) was just the end of the meeting Everybody just stayed in the meeting after that. And I was like, oh, that's the end of the story. But everybody was just on mute laughing at me. I was like, yeah. Yep. You do have um, very bad luck with doctors. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, Hey, what's up? My name's Noelle. And I actually have a fairly good time with very good doctors. I've never really had a bad one. Mm, And I'm Chelsea. I clearly have what's probably treatable with antibiotics or at the very least, cough medicine, and still, I get nothing. You choose to suffer. And that's why none of us should be, feel bad for you, because you do have health care and you can't afford to be seen. But um, anyway, speaking of things we won't... Actually, I do feel bad about this episode a little bit. I, I This was a real mixed bag for me. I was against him, for him, against him, and I'm kind of somewhere in the middle now. Hold yeah, on, you- Apollo's digging in the dog bed yeah you're driving today which is fun because sometimes um what well just the way that this episode came together is kind of surprising because i read the title of it when Mm -hmm. it popped up in our shared drive yeah and i opened it very quickly and i saw that you're still working on it and that was maybe when you had i would say probably a quarter of a page written mm-hmm. and then i reopened the document and now it's a nine solid pages so nine you really pages. went ham on this yeah and as i told you that's edited there there are things that i had to take out or am choosing to glaze over that this is like it it's juicy and we'll get into some of it because we'll have to just briefly mention it. But this is the story of not really the story. This is the reality. This is the life. This is the lifetime movie of the Mormon King. This was recommended to us by Kelly Holloran. Um, so this episode I is for her. Have no fucking idea who this man is. And you wouldn't. And just I thought I knew this, everything about just Mormonism. To, this, this is the fucking tea, though, and we'll just get this right off the top, okay? Um, most people, I think, have probably seen Under the Banner of Heaven by now, and there's something that they talk about in that show, which is false prophets and banned books. There are a lot of quote-unquote religious texts or religious history that really did happen in the history and founding and um, continuing and growth of the Mormon church that they have just straight up 
banned. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'm totally paraphrasing, but it's the whole put your questions on a shelf. If it questions or puts into question the the lore, if you will, of mm-hmm. of the specific pathway from Joseph Smith to Brigham Young, if it goes against that in any way, shape, or form, it is just not we are we put it on the shelf right we don't ask questions we don't look for it we don't seek it out um and one of the reasons why james strang the mormon king of beaver island michigan is not talked about and we are in mormon mecca babes we are in mormon mecca and we have never heard of him and the reason being is that put the questions on the shelf he will get into what he believes, who he is, where he comes from, and you will very quickly be able to figure out why we have never heard of him. I'm I'm asking our friend who served a mission just who is James Strang, and I'm interested if he has an answer or if he has no fucking idea. It'll probably be no fucking idea or he is a false prophet, and it, the information will not go past that because you would be punished if you did try to look into this person. Okay. Um, so let's go into it. James Jesse Strang. Oh, that guy works for Team Rocket for sure. (laughs) Also, sometimes when I was typing this, because I was like, did you do Jesse James? Well, it would do Jesse Strange. Oh, it would add an E. Um, Because I was like half doing this on my laptop, half doing it on my phone, like just because I was like reading. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you see Strange, just know we'll we'll roll with it. But also Jesse James. Born March 21st, 1813 in Scipio, New York, which is what I would consider upstate New York, obviously, um, between Rochester and Syracuse. He was the second of three children, so chronic and debilitating middle child syndrome for sure. Those kids never turn out right. Never. He was baptized Baptist, which sounds weird to say, um, but that is what it was. There was nothing stand about stand out about his upbringing. His family was well liked in the community. His dad was a farmer. They didn't have the most money in the world, but they did like all right. Nothing screams that they were severely struggling essentially. Mm-hmm. The only thing worth noting about his upbringing was that his mom was a bit um like I'm I still don't really know what the word is. I put like controlling or protective, but I'm not even sure if that is what you would call this. Um, She made him journal everything that he did and said when she wasn't around. Yeah, that's odd. See, it's like, but it wasn't in a controlling way. It was just, I'm not really sure what you, because like involved, I I maybe. Is that a good way to put it? Like uh, involved in like a very unhealthy way? Yeah. Overly involved. Um, apparently this had to do with his poor health, which he struggled with during childhood. Um, and that also affected his schooling. He was only in school till age 12. And he estimated that his total time in the classroom up to that point was maybe six months total. Fuck. I know. But he's going to surprise you. Okay. Okay. In his autobiography, he wrote, quote, the terms were usually short. The teachers inexperienced and ill-qualified to teach, and my health, such as to preclude attentive study or steady attendance. Okay, so it's the teachers who are wrong. 
Well, even just in that, like he was, he's a kind. He was a savant. He was a savant. Yeah, he, he sounds like need, a dandy. You he know? is. He is like a self-prescribed dandy for sure. Yeah, he's very he, dandy. He didn't come from a silver spoon, but he was just a savant. So yeah. Um, and I I wanted to note here. I couldn't find anything about if this sickness was real or like his childhood sicknesses were real or a little dash of a gypsy rose situation because Mm -hmm. almost immediately when he stops school, the illness is no longer a handicap to him. He just like, it's like, it's like it never existed. It's weird. Yeah. I can't place if that was the mom's doing or his doing, but the illness will never come up ever again, but just know it was a big problem in his childhood. Hmm. Okay. Another quote from his autobiography, he says his teachers, quote, not unfrequently turned me off with little or no attention as though I was too stupid to learn and too done dull to feel neglect. He, he said, quote, Long, weary days upon the floor, thinking, 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 my mind wandering over fields that old men shriek from, seeking rest and finding none, till darkness gathered thick around and I burst into tears. He's obviously, like, well-written, you know, and I I see that that's kind of where you're going with this, but, like, he's obviously not dumb because he writes very well. Like, if you told me that this guy went to only six months worth of schooling, I wouldn't have believed it, especially in the 1800s. Yeah. No, thousand percent. I think here, again, the echo is not that the teachers were ignoring him or thought that he was stupid. It's that he just was, he he was 10 steps ahead. He was not, I truly do think that. Well, and he's never going to get the same attention from his teachers as he was his mom. So anything less than that, he's going to see it as lack of attention. That's a hundred percent true. So I would like to say here, I think we can all agree he was pretty bite, bright. I can't even speak. He was pretty bright. He studied Thomas Paine, who was a, and this is just his own self-education, who was a political activist, philosopher, political theorist, and revolutionary. He authored Common Sense in 1776 and The American Crisis in 1783, two of the most influential pamphlets at the start of the American Revolution, and helped inspire the patriots in 1776 to declare independence from none other than the Queen. I feel like I've heard about Thomas Paine. I feel like I had to read this stuff in some history class. Yeah, You absolutely did. Either in history or like first year philosophy yeah his ideas were reflected enlightenment era ideals of transnational human rights so Mm -hmm. that like freshman enlightenment history class it was all thomas Paine. he also studied calm de i don't know how to say this volatney volatney volney volney maybe yeah probably volney a little french I'm a Marabrained right now, okay? We just got done talking about Patriots, so I'm giving you full Marabrained. Hey, you know what? Thomas Paine said I could say Comte de Volnay any fucking way I want to. Yeah, we'll I'm say it gonna. like Brad Pitt in fucking Inglorious Vast. In yeah. Inglorious Vasters. Comte Volnay. Comte de Volnay. Yeah. Um, he, he was a French philosopher, abolitionist, writer, and politician whose book, here we go, let's say this like Brad Pitt, Les Runes, or... <laughs> 
Meditations on Revolution, <laughs> was a major source of inspiration for free thinkers in the late 18th and early 19th century. The work describes the world's most important religions, condemns the corruption of the Christian church, discusses wealth, rank, and poverty, and analyzes the fall of ancient civilizations. So, again, well-educated into has, philosophy, into yeah. human rights, into free thinking. He has a proclivity to lean towards what our founding fathers put importance in. And I feel like that education is stuff that we are, I don't want to say indoctrined to respect, but it's American values, really, right? Mm -hmm. So, well, so not far, even, he's not that bad. He's just no. kind of a dandy. He's kind of like a little Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, but like minus the slaves. Um and rape. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he did, had any. He could have. It was still the 1800s. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he was bad because he, we'll he probably find, you'll find nice out later. Man. Okay, you're gonna okay. you're gonna find out later. Okay, he's not as bad as was the standard in this time. Okay, and I would like to note that like these two philosophers specifically were human rights oriented, mm -hmm. and that's a big difference between like. Amerabrained history. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, it was so less money, less land ownership for certain yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. So, like we said, at this point, kind of a cool, cool guy, just a little bit of a dandy. I think right now I would probably still be friends with him and hang out. Um, just, you know, I'm not, no red flags really on the play. Not really. No. By age 12, he was studying law. Because being a farmer like his dad just wasn't a right fit for him. And I agree. Yeah. Let me also mention here that this kid was writing. We know about the mommy diary, but he also had a personal di diary that he wrote in through like childhood into adulthood that was partially coded. And it was coded so well that the code couldn't be cracked for another hundred years after it was written. So he's a genius, essentially, like studying law at 12. Lot. Yeah. Okay. In that diary, he wrote about wanting to help people, but not knowing where to start because he was just some kind of broke kid from a farmer family in upstate New York. And of course, the other usual entities for a teen boy, like believing there was a divine calling for him to be a historic leader like Julius Caesar and Napoleon, and that his greatest regret at 19 years old was not becoming a general or a member of the state legislator, which he considered a step of step one of becoming important. Hmm. He was admitted to the New York bar by age 23 and became the head of the county post office and edited for the Randolph Herald. Herald. I can't. I can't Her do it. Where is Herald. it? Herald? Herald. Yeah. Jesus. I'm literally Randolph dying Randolph right Herald. <laughs> My brain is melting. He described himself as a, quote, cool philosopher. I, I, yeah, I'm agreeing with that. I could see him, like, surfing and stuff and being like, hang 10, bro. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah. Hit the fucking wave, bro. Um, and a free thinker. Which makes the next series of events just a tiny bit stranger. So, he became a Baptist minister, but left at age 31 in February of 1844 to join none other than the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
And this was round zero, dude. This was a Baptist to go Mormon. Yeah. It's a turn. And in 1844, this was early days Mormonism. This was Joey Smith, babes. This was Joey Smith out on the fucking town. This was literally the startup tech era of the LDS church. I don't even know like, if they were in Utah time. at that point. Were they were not. In Utah? They were still on the East Coast. They were Yeah, not this in Utah. is hella early Mormonism. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some cursed reason, he immediately hit it off with no one other than our guy, Joey Smith. Well, because he was a philosopher, right? And I feel like Joseph Smith, that's the crowd that he wanted to run. Everything that you're describing about him, trying like, you know, law early law degree, well read loves to write seems like someone joseph smith would get along with well if you want my tinfoil hat about it at the end of the day joseph smith was a con artist he came from Mm -hmm. a long history of freemasons and i think he knew how important it was to get like an educated savant philosopher in his corner you needed someone to back your fucking shit you know what i mean It's like I'm Shinrikyo, you know? They only have the scientists, the lawyers, the philosophers, mm-hmm. the teachers in there, and that's what made them successful. Yeah. Are you but- eating chocolates? What is that noise? This is a cough drop. <laughs> is that okay with you? It sounds like you are unraveling tinfoil. Say ASMR. That's going to sound probably horrible. Okay. Just because it's so- my voice, not because ASMR sounds bad. <laughs> no, because the crumpling. But anyway. BFS with Joe Smith. And Joey would go on to personally baptize him days later on February 25th, 1844. So they hardcore hit it off. On March 3rd, he was ordained by Joseph Smith's brother Hiram. And they did this because Joey was sending James, our guy, to Wisconsin to establish a Mormon settlement at, how would you say this, Voree? Vori, yeah. Vori? This is hitting like a part of history that I did not know happened. You hear about Hiram mm-hmm. all the time because we've yeah. named 45 different places in Utah Hiram. Yeah, it's true. I have no fucking idea what's going on yet, so I don't know what to expect. This is insane. Get ready to expect a fight for the throne. So, unfortunately for him, Joseph Smith was murdered by an anti-Mormon mob in Carthage, Illinois, on June 27th, leaving a gaping hole of opportunity in James Strang's heart. Also in Joseph Smith's body, because I think (laughs) they shot him. I think think it was Presbyterians, too. Um, One of the few good things that they've done for history. So, like anyone mourning the loss of their religious leader... James quickly made a stab for the crown, but was met with the likes of none other than Brigham Young, who at the time was the president of Joseph Smith's 12 Apostles, and Sidney Rigdon, a member of Smith's first presidency, also known as the Quorum of the Presidency. Um, They were just like a high governing body in the church. Well, Sidney Rigdon, wasn't that, that guy was a violent guy, right? Isn't he the one who was like kind of like the strong right-hand man of No, that was Porter Rockwell. Fucking hell, man. You, you're you dunking on me right now. Okay, keep going. Yeah, you can't. I know a lot about Porter Rockwell. Um, that's a whole. We'll, we'll have to get into that one day, but man, not now. So because saucy, I can't afford yeah. to fucking do it now. I need to stop trying to remember everything I learned in fifth grade history class and just listen. Well, I 
my appreciation for Porter Rockwell is that he is the proof that Brigham Young was an abusive alcoholic pedophile who wanted to murder people and had someone murder people. And for whatever reason, despite every single active LDS member knowing this and them erecting statues and appreciating that he did do this, that he was the mob for the Mormons, they are like, no, but some of that not true. It's just incredible. Anyway, as we could all predict, a power struggle ensued. And rather than build bridges and work together to secure the newly forming religion, divisions happened. Known pedophile Bram Young apparently dunked on Sydney in a debate about Nauvoo, the Mormon colony Joey planned for Mormon Zion, also known as um, the Kingdom on the Mississippi. And I just want to point out here, this is crazy, because I don't think anyone in the history of ever has looked at Mississippi and thought of it as a kingdom. Currently ranked 49th out of the 50 states overall, last place in healthcare, 49th in economy, 48th in infrastructure, 43rd in education, and 44th in opportunity. But of course, no one other than Brigham Young and Joseph Smith would look at that and be like, this is the place. They're like, this is the best we can get. Yeah. They found Utah. It was probably so anyway, 50. <laughs> yeah, we, were, we, we weren't developed yet. We weren't there yet. So we would have taken 50. But anyway, um, Brigham refused to debate James because he was new to the faith, which is fair, in it for like weeks. Um, didn't really have that star power he felt that he had. And frankly, he was too busy leading his followers to Utah while Sydney led a smaller group to Pennsylvania. Hmm. Hence the real this is the place. But if there's one thing men of the LDS faith do best, it's refuse no as an answer. There used to be an LDS newspaper called Times and Seasoned, published at Nauvoo, naturally. It was printed monthly or twice monthly from November 1839 to February 1846 with the motto, quote, truth will prevail. And this is important to note because Joey's Quorum of Twelve, aka the First Presidency, whatever you want to call them, published a one-pager about excommunicating James. Strang stated that the church prevented excommunication without a trial and that the Twelve had no right to judge him, and he was the lawful president of the church. Mm. Much like cult leaders before him and the ones to come after him, despite the drama, he began to attract followers, including Joey's brother, William Smith. Will Smith, my guy. <laughs> well, so you didn't know Will Smith, founding member of the Mormon Church. Mm-hmm. Joey's mom, um, Lucy Smith, and William Marks, who was president of the Nauvoo Stake. Kind of stacked house, in yes, my opinion, those are as big far deals. as people who are joining you. Big, 100%. big cards. Yeah. Much like the angel Moroni appearing to Joseph Smith at just the right moment, James said an angel came to him at the exact moment Joey died which is a requirement to take power. An angel has to appoint you. Just food for thought. He also had a, quote, letter of appointment from Joey with a Nauvoo postmark. The letter was dated June 18th, 1844, which was nine days before Joey's murder. James claimed there were witnesses to co-sign that he had made this announcement of appointment before news of Joey's death was even publicly available. Fun fact here, James's letter is currently held by Yale University, 
Much like other historical Mormon documents and artifacts, every aspect of the letter has been disputed, including the postmark that apparently like proves that it was from Nauvoo, from Joseph Smith, and the signature of Joseph Smith himself. Interesting. But there are some historians who also claim that it's valid. So take that with however you feel. I'm not sure how I feel about it. You know, it's 50-50. That's tight. It would be cool if it were true because that would mean that all the people who followed Brigham Young were following the not chosen. Yeah, the false leader. prophet. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, this is also really fun to think about because when I go into some of the beliefs that um, James was peddling, I think that we'll agree um, we would prefer this version of Mormonism. So, but we'll get there when we get there. Some 12,000 LDS members also believed in the letter, the angel, and James, and they marched forward with their, quote, stake at Zion on Beaver Island in Lake Michigan. They would be known as Strangites. You know how Mormons like to put ites at the end of thing? Dude, yeah, our friend just responded, said, like, the Strangites was literally the response to me asking if he knew who James Strang was, and he said, like, the Strangites. That is exactly correct. So unfortunately for him, his church had a high turnover rate. A lot of his initial followers, including all of the ones that I listed above, unfortunately, with the exception of George Miller, who remained loyal until, unfortunately, Strang died, um, they all left. A former follower who left James in 1849 accused him of dictatorial tendencies and concurring with the secretive Illuminati order. Yeah, they only like the Masonites. Yeah, I'm going to pause here and say... You can go to realilluminati.org and find them talking about a new American scripture, how and why the real Illuminati created the true Book of Mormon. Um, there, That is a whole black fucking hole to fall into. I cannot go into it more than that because... It would take 17 hours. Their book about Mormonism is free. They give you the option to buy it, or you can just open it as a PDF tab on your computer and read it. It is fucking long, and it is self-serving, but it is fun to... They are very interesting. Even if you go to their FAQ section, they, they have a question that's like, why do you guys... Here it is. Why does the real Illuminati concentrate so much effort on the LDS Mormon church? And they go into it, and to summarize it, it's basically like, because there was a true version of Mormonism, and it was good, and it would have like protected the world, and been the next evolution of Christianity, but selfish, misleading people took it, edited it, revised it to suit them, and that's what's peddled today. Um, so it is very interesting, but we will, again, we'll all put that in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But the real detector wasn't even just the Illuminati of Mormons. It was polygamy. See, James was super against polygamy and spoke out in its opposition. But unfortunately, like most cult leaders, changed his tune once he got a following. Mm. In 1849, one single year after the breakoff and creation of the Strangites, he became the biggest supporter of polygamy. He had five wives, including his original wife and 14 children. And this was a huge fucking problem for his followers because a lot of them came with him because he was the monogamous counter to Brigham Young's severely 
polygamous child bride version of Mormonism. Mm-hmm. James would double down on his newly found view by claiming that, <clears throat> quote, this is tough. I need everyone to brace. Far from enslaving or demeaning women, women, polygamy would liberate and elevate them by allowing them to choose the best possible mate based upon any factors which were deemed important by them, rather than being forced to wed, quote, corrupt and degraded sires due to the scarcity of more suitable men a woman could marry the man who she believed was most compatible to her the best candidate to father her children and give her the finest possible life even if he had multiple wives it's not about the women (laughs) yeah no Um, shit for those of you who are interested if you ask mormons in utah about why polygamy was chosen it was because of the high death toll of the Mormons crossing the plains into Utah and the fact that they needed to make more Mormons is the most accepted reason. Despite is- polygamy being adapted in its early stages by Joseph Smith and Brigham mm-hmm. Young before the pilgrimage to Utah even happened. Yeah. But, you know, I digress. So that's the insider word. <laughs> so James's first wife was Mary Pierce, married in 1836. Um, She was not a fan of polygamy, kind of like Emma Smith was to Joey. They were like, hey, this doesn't sound divine or righteous at all. Mm -hmm. She actually separated from him in May of 1851. Um, Not divorced, obviously, because of the time, but she just bowed out and was like, no fucking thanks, dude. His second wife married in 1849. This one's weird. Originally disguised herself under the name Charles Douglas as his nephew. Oh, what the fuck? I need to not read ahead and react in real time. I know. But eventually revealed herself as 19-year-old Elvira Eliza Field. And I want to say he married her in 1849, right? Mm -hmm. She didn't come out as Elvira. The 19 year old until 1850. So I don't know if he had a year where he was just married to uh, his child cousin, Charlie Douglas. Yeah. How did he explain? Or he was just explaining it away that this is my nephew and we're just real close. I think that was it. So let's bring in wife number three. 31-year-old Betsy McNutt. (laughs) 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 Fucking (laughs) Betnut. Oh, he married her in 1852. Wife number four, 19-year-old Sarah Wright, married in 1855. Fun fact, after James died, Sarah would divorce her second husband, Dr. Wing, due to his interest in polygamy. So, fun fact there. I know. And his final wife was 18-year-old Phoebe Wright, Sarah, wife number four's cousin, and he married her in 1855. According to Sarah, quote, James was a very mild-spoken, kind man to his family, although his word was law. I mean, I feel like she's trying to tell us something there, but, you know. Yeah, he was quiet and mean. (laughs) Yeah. She wrote that while each wife had their own bedroom, They shared meals and devotional time together. With straying and life in their household was as pleasant as possible, quote. 
Also, I'm not sure if devotional time means praying or fucking. I think it means praying, but we can think it means fucking because you do your devotionals, right? It's like where you sit around and you read yeah. scriptures together. Yeah, it is. But sometimes I think it might they might mean fucking. It's you really know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think I've talked about this before where I've stumbled into Sister Wives TikTok um, where they just really dissect what's going on with Cody Brown and his wives and the fact that Christine has left him and she's a fucking queen. We have to protect her. Mm-hmm. Really stand Christine here on the podcast. Christine, I know you're an avid listener. I know. Big fan. He, we support you. There's a theory that Cody Brown is fucking monogamous. And is only keeping up with the polygamy facade for money and support because he only, I think what he does is he sells guns at gun shows, which can be lucrative, but I don't think it's something that he is trusted enough to be like a bonafide arms dealer. Mm -hmm. So his wives do work, but I think that um, the, the theory is he's only monogamous with Robin and that any other of the children like, I don't know if he's had – he maybe has had past children since Robin came in, but that's the fucking theory, man. Weird, dude. Weird, right? That the, the conspiracy is that he's not he's even ju- yeah, in a polygamous relationship. He's just monogamous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is very strange. Um, okay. Uh, now I'm thinking about that. Okay, anyway. Weird, right? It's, so, it's yeah, fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Anyway, she, um, in contrast, though, to the whole it's as pleasant as possible, James and final wife, Phoebe, their daughter, Eugenia, said that the wives were actually pretty dissatisfied with polygamy. um, And she would, like, come out and say a lot more, like, no one was happy, but they all kind of put up with it. And I don't want to give away too much, but they all eventually left. Anyway. Like Joey Smith, James reported visions, the unearthing and translation of ancient metal plates, and claimed to have restored long-lost spiritual knowledge to humankind. Here's the fucking tea, though, bitch. James did offer his plates for public examination. Unlike Joey, who was mad when anyone asked about him or yeah, to see them. Yeah, golden, golden plates. Wife. Yep. Yeah. And he translated it in, them into a hat, right? It's a very yep. weird process. Yeah, he, Joey had the plates in a hat and would put his head in there and then speak out to Emma, his wife, the translations. Mm-hmm. And they did like a V1, right? They had a V1. And then Emma was pressing him about wanting to see the plates and wanted to see what's up. And he was like, great. Because you questioned me, now God's pissed. We got to start it all over again, and it's going to be different. Incredible. Fucking incredible. Anyway, so James was like, bestie, it's real, and you can look. So they fucking did. Christopher Scholes, the inventor of the typewriter, cool, humble rag, and (laughs) local newspaper editor was like, let's fucking go. I want to fucking see him. And he went to James to see what was up. Apparently, it was like a tiny little tab made of brass with um, like unintelligible writings. Okay. That is fucking cool. I know it is fucking cool. And James said 
A vision in 1845 brought him to it. And Christopher, that guy who was checking out, he wasn't Mormon. So like he didn't have fucking shit to lose, you know? Mm -hmm. The only thing he said about it was that James seemed honest and earnest and that his followers were, quote, among the most honest and intelligent men in the neighborhood. Yeah, but that's only because they knew how to read. I mean, probably true. Um, I mean, so, obviously, like, this guy's going to be intelligent because he's a fucking lawyer who yeah. taught himself a lot at the age of 12. But basically, I mean, he's a journalist. He wasn't trying to, like, be yeah. biased or opinionated, but he was just like, he there bought, honestly seems He bought real. a little of, bit of what they were selling. Yeah, he was like, there's nothing that makes me think this is, you know, snake oil. So James published his translations of these plates as the Vori record. Strangeites insist that two modern scholars have confirmed that the text on the plates appears to represent a genuine written in a genuine language that is unknown. Um, another note, there is no verification of these sources, but um, the Vori plates did fucking exist, but they also did disappear around 1900 and its whereabouts are still unknown to this day. Interesting. Probably in someone's personal collection. Uh, unknown language is always super weird to me because I'm like, we know most languages, even if we don't know them or can't. Tr not knowing a language just means we haven't translated it. So I would be interested to know what that language actually was, but now we don't fucking know. We may never know. I know. It's kind of a bummer that they lost them. Just like JFK's head. I mean, brain. Interesting. Brain. <laughs> they lost it. Um, so... Joe, um, not Joey, James. Get him so confused. James claimed to have translated a portion of the plates of Laban, which apparently is something in the Book of Mormon. I'm not going to dig into it. Just know it's there. Um, he published that translation into the Book of Law, or the Book of the Law of the Lord, I should say. Book of Law sounds to Aleister Crowley. Book yeah. of the Law of the Lord is James' version of LDS. Um, which apparently this is all just supposed to be the original law given to Moses. Okay. That's your, the closest TDL law you're going to get from me. Okay. This translation is some of the hard proof we have of James actually leaning into a bit of a monarchy style of ruling, as was mentioned above from like the first um, defectors of his religion. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, he claims that there were only nine commandments, not ten. Yeah, he got rid of coveting the neighbor's wife. <laughs> yeah, he was like, we can't. No. We have to keep. Yeah. We have to keep that one. Um, so let's talk about his laws and practices. And these, you'll say, you'll see it in here. They are kind of fucking based. So okay. don't read ahead, Chelsea. I'm trying not to. I already read ahead, and I'm like, nope, lost me. Lost really, me. this is where I was fucking buying in. This is where he really? got me, Hootlug and Singer. Yeah. So I mean. Some of it. Wait. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. I'll interject on the part where I wasn't sold. Okay. He went his own way with his teachings. He rejected the traditional Christian doctrines of the Trinity, so the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, which, again, I say here, kind of fucking based. Trinity is where he initially lost me because that is a huge deal. But uh, he all, he explains why, though, and okay, it kind yeah, of makes I'll, sense. I'll wait. I'll, I'll hear him out. I'll hear him out. So um, he went against the Mormon's doctrine of the, quote, plurality of gods. 
this is the LDS belief in the eternal cycle where God's children live in his presence, continue as families, become gods, create worlds, and have spirit children over which they will govern. Yeah, that's why so you get him, married in the temple so that you can have your spirit wives attached to you for all eternity so that you get yep. make your own Rules spirit planet, world. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Again, dropping this, pretty based. This is where the rejection of the Trinity comes into play. He was a literal monotheist in all sense of the word. He's like, I don't even fuck with the Trinity, like no Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because there's just one God, period. He doesn't need to be broken into three to represent him. It's just the one God, which I'm like, honestly, I, okay. Mm -hmm. He taught that Jesus Christ was the natural born son of Mary and Joseph. So no divine virgin pregnancy born an ordinary mortal who is chosen to be the savior, essentially adopted as God's son after proving himself to God by living a sinless life. He was enabled to provide an acceptable sacrifice for the sins of men prior to his resurrection and ascension. So again, I'm like kind of a way more believable story. And then this would also make sense as to why we like don't really know what Jesus did between like, you know, birth to what was it? 33 or whatever, because he was just a guy living without interjection. Um, And what he goes into that more. um, And I'm like, that's kind of fucking based. So James also said that God couldn't do all things, that some things were as impossible for him as for us. He never like paraded the idea of evolution around, but said that because of this, like God just can't do all things sometimes, there was no conflict between science and religion and that God's ability to use his power was limited by the matter which he was working with, and it was also limited by the eons of time which were required to, quote, organize and shape it. James raved about a future where people would, quote, make religion a science to be, quote, studied by as an exact rule, just like mathematics. He said that the mouth of the seer will be opened and the whole earth enlightened. He would often toy with the nature of sin and evil, and said, quote, of all the things that God could give to man, he could never give him experience. Thus, if free agency was real, humanity must be given the opportunity to fail and learn from its own mistakes. The ultimate goal for each human being was to willingly conform oneself to the revealed character of God in every aspect, preferring to do good rather than preferring to do evil, not out of fear of punishment and not out of any desire for rewards, but preferring to do good solely on account of the innate loveliness of undefined goodness, of pure, unalloyed holiness." And this is where I'm like, James is fucking based for this. This is this is my favorite quote of like, you should be good, not because you fear God's punishment or wrath, but because it is just good to be good. I don't think that that's like, I don't think any of his thoughts are new innovation, though. That just sounds like Calvinism now. What do you mean? Because Calvinism is essentially the idea that everyone is predetermined whether or not they're going to go to heaven or hell. 
but you still need to choose a good life because you're supposed to be a good person. And it doesn't matter in the end, essentially, because your destiny's already been forged. So you're allowed to have free will in anything. It's, uh, I do think this is, they, this is the opposite of Calvinism. He's not saying it's predetermined. He's just saying God shouldn't be evil and you shouldn't be only like, he's doing essentially, good. but he's essentially saying that the experience matters. He's saying that the most godly gift given to humanity is experience and the opportunity to fail and learn from your own mistakes. And the true enlightenment of God is that being good and being good to people and doing good things is just right and should be. And that's what makes you profound and holy, not because you're doing it because you fear damnation, but because it's just good to do good things that a true God wouldn't punish you he would just you would just want to be good and i'm yeah, like that's, that's kind of calvinism dope. man because it doesn't matter what you do well yes and no because he's not saying it's predetermined if you're going to go to heaven or hell before you even have thoughts and words he's just saying that like I, god isn't a monstrous being in the sky who will yeah. punish you like, he's not saying that punishment doesn't happen. He's just saying that true holiness isn't doing good out of fear of punishment. True holiness is doing good because good feels good, and doing good gets you closer to God because godliness is goodness. I'm not buying what he's selling quite yet. And I'm, I'm buying it hook, I'm, line, and sinker. wild to me that you are. I love it. I, I, love the, I, I love the idea that, like, he's peddling the whole, like, God isn't all powerful. It, it reminds me of my favorite, not my favorite, it's so fucking dark. But that quote that was written on the walls of the concentration camp that says, if God is real, he will have to beg for my forgiveness. And saying that God isn't all powerful and he cannot do all things makes sense when you look, when you think about that quote, when you think about, you know, childhood cancer, when you think about, you know, people starving to death when you think about like the cruelness of the world and you say if there was an almighty god who cared about us who cared about us why would he allow this type of suffering and pain but if you sit here and say well he is a god but he isn't the controller of everything and all things and there are just certain things that he cannot do maybe sometimes death and suffering is out of his control then you're like, boom, that fucking solves the problem of why is there suffering and pain in the world if there is an all-holy God who loves us and built us in his image. It's like – How does that I'm not like, fall into is- the same tier though of just like the human experience? You know what I mean? Like not every aspect of your life is going to be like predetermined and protected by an omnipotent person, you know? Like that – human existence is inherently evil i don't see how that his i don't see how anything that he's shelling out is profound it just seems like he's really just taking the modern approach to christianity because these aren't ideas aren't new really i just i think it's i think it's new for mormonism for sure yeah new for mormonism and i also think that like there's a subtext with what he says about like god and goodness um And I think it's that, like, the end goal isn't heaven. The end goal is doing good with the life you have and the time you're given right now. And, like, that's what I think is so profound. Because if there's one thing about religion, it just, like, makes you obsessed with what 
happens when you die. It makes you like think about I, that to the point where there are some religions that they live like muted lives on earth because they think if they do it a certain way, they'll have abundance and whatever in heaven. But it's like, there's such a emphasis on just being human and making mistakes and trying to do better just because you want to be better. Nothing to do about the fear of death or the fear of like heaven and hell or punishment of God. Just like do good, try your best, live your life. I don't, I'm still getting con man vibes from him, but I will say that I do think it is good to take away the elitism of Mormonism, you know, or any other religion that's like ours is the only way. And I think Mm -hmm. he does kind of do that. Yeah. But I don't know if it was him being profound or if it was just him reading the fucking room. I think that he took, because like he, like we said before, he was like reading pretty big time philosophers and free thinkers. And I think that he looked at what would potentially be like the weak points of religion and reworked it. And like for sure, at the end of the day, he's a con man because peace and love, anyone who tries to form their own religion is a con man. That just is what it is. But I just think he was like selling something so fucking different, especially at the time that it was like, damn, this is kind of sick though. Are you like, can you imagine? It was pretty modern. The 1800s in America was almost like Quaker-esque, like, you know, fear punishment hellfire and he came in with like these hippie fucking virtues and was just like try your best babes and everyone's like that would that would be mind-blowing to hear in that day and age yeah especially like the the scientific the embrace embracing just any science whatsoever at the time um it would have been interesting had mormonism taken that route i wonder how it would have been different or if it would have been successful that's the thing right obviously he wasn't fucking successful because we have no idea who he is i know i mean yeah it's crazy to think about like if this version of mormonism is the one that took hold like what Mm. would because he does more shit that is kind of based and progressive later on that you'll hear and you're just like it would we would literally this shit would be so i bet that like utah would end up becoming this like mecca of progressivism it would it would be like what republicans think california is do you know what i mean yeah but it also (laughs) would have been formed by some dude who's like i have these fancy tablets that only i can read yeah but he at least let you show him unlike the other dude who had fancy tablets that he put in a hat and didn't let anyone else see and his shit fucking rules the place we live in right now so you're right when you're right you're right yeah (laughs) so um anyway uh yeah i i mentioned here that i kind of loved what he was saying despite him collecting wives like pokemon cards um that is still something i won't forgive him for but you know he did collect wives like infinity stones and despite seeming (laughs) kind of reasonable he fell down some dark paths okay all right let's find uh, yeah i want to know what's wrong with this guy because i'm not buying on just yet so he still loved the lds practice of baptisms for the dead which those who don't know it's um how can i say this 
a very popular, not popular, a very well-known controversial baptism of the dead that the modern-day LDS church performed was on someone you may know as Anne Frank. See, Anne Frank died a Jewish girl, and baptisms of the dead, their entire purpose is to rebaptize dead people as LDS Mormons since what they, you know, what religion they died as is not the quote-unquote true church. Yeah. So this is why Mormons are really big into genealogy and family trees because they're trying to see all of their relatives that weren't Mormon so they could do baptisms of the dead and baptize them as Mormon so that they can inhabit their um, planetary afterlife. Remember that whole governing mm -hmm. thing? It's that. So yeah. unfortunately, he did kind of still love this. He also introduced animal sacrifice. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I didn't like him. Yep. Not as atonement for sin, but just as part of the Strangite celebration, celebration ritual. Like real Elizabeth Bathory vibes where he just wanted to bathe in blood for his skin tone. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I didn't look up enough pictures to see if he had good skin. So no. The jury's still out. Dude, he looks like a he looks like a guy from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, just just same old, same old. I could send you a thousand pictures of any man, and you could be like, "Yes, that's one of these." Yeah, yeah. Spring. So he tried to construct a temple in Vori, but being a little broke and his followers not really cooperating, it fell through. He kept the LDS belief of eternal marriage, which is unfortunate. Again, um, just a quick TLDR. Eternal marriage is you're sealed, you're married and sealed in the temple. And no matter what happens, that person is stuck with you on your planetary afterlife. Even if you get a divorce that both parties agree to, um, does not matter. You are their um, ghost prisoner. Mm -hmm. So Christine is technically still married to Cody in the afterlife, even yeah. though they're divorced. Yep. Um, Can't even he, escape that motherfucker in death. Yeah, that's the worst. Honestly, that's the biggest downfall of the LDS religion, um, mm -hmm. besides obvi the obvious things like child rape and child marriage. But anyway, um, he the one thing, the one quote-unquote progressive thing James did when it came to eternal marriage was um, he didn't require it to be performed in a temple, which is the case of the LDS church. Hence why if there's like an LDS wedding, people who are not LDS or no longer have their... Um, what is that priesthood? called? The, the membership IDs. I guess, isn't it just the priesthood? I, I don't have no remember. Idea. No, there's like special little cards. Um, they have to stand outside and wait. So anyway, with James, he was like, bro, it doesn't matter. Alcohol, tobacco, coffee, and tea were all prohibited still, just like with the LDS. But he did allow women to hold the priesthood office of priest and teacher and welcomed black folks into the church and That's they were allowed to be ordained into eldership. I don't even think women are allowed to hold the priesthood in regular Mormon church. They are not. So, that and is I my think special note, one of these things Mormons still do not do yeah. and the other they started doing in the, in 80s. the 80s. Yeah. So black people are only allowed to hold priesthood in the church in the 80s. Yeah. And I think for the longest time black people were the descendants of 
Cain, yep. the first murderer, and that was the mark of Cain was being black, according yeah, to Yeah, I mean, church. Joseph Smith's original um, like doctrine said that if you prayed hard enough, you could pray the mark of Cain, which he described as blackness, off of your skin. And this belief continued on into the 70s and 80s because they were showing cartoons to children in Sunday school of black children praying enough that their skin turned white so just mm-hmm. you know little history lesson you can i i think you can still find um those i don't know animations online just go look up the mormon jesus remix it's so fun it's like mormon <laughs> jesus do, 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 do. mormon jesus do, 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 do. but it's uh yeah it's it's uh rough so pretty fucking progressive for him in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Also, James was big into land and resource conservation. He wanted to see parks like wildlife refuges, the refuge, I can't speak, and forests maintained and protected um, away from like industry and stuff like that. So again, kind of based. And um I'm not in the mood to go down Mormon lore right now, but apparently Joey Smith was secretly crowned as king of the kingdom of God before his murder. And James did the same thing. (laughs) But James did it, in my humble opinion, a little bit cooler. Crowned in 1850 by his counselor and prime minister, Prime Minister George J. Adams, with 300 witnesses to his coronation. He wore a bright red flannel robe with a white collar that had black speckles. His crown was made of tin rather than gold, and it is described in one account as being a shiny metal ring with a cluster of glass stars in the front. He wore a breastplate and carried a wooden scepter. Cosplay King. I was just going to say, that's tight. He's like I know. sassy Gandalf. Yeah. The fucking breastplate, too. Like, going to battle. What the fuck? Gladriel. <laughs> fuck, dude. Straight up, though. With the that's glass tight. stars on the front. Oh, that's so heavy sick. metal. That's super. I know. That's metal. He never claimed to be the king of Beaver Island. Or the <laughs> of that's because I'm the king of Beaver Island, baby. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> um, him, you and McNutt. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> Betty McNutt-Nutt. <laughs> That's my right hand man. <laughs> the rulers of Beaver Island. Um, <laughs> but he did claim, yeah, just you guys. But he did claim to be king of his church, which he considered the true kingdom of God, destined to spread itself over all the earth. But just like Love Island, UK, there was trouble in paradise. James and his people lived in fear of what their non-member neighbors might do. Some of his followers were beaten up while they were going to get, like, going to the post office to get mail. Some were robbed in their homes, um, and their items were, quote, seized by Gentiles while Strangonite men were away. Note here, Mormons have taken the term Gentiles and wrapped themselves in it. I'm not sure if Jewish folks appreciate this, but I'm going to go ahead and assume probably not. But it is a term that is used heavy-handed in um, LDS religious text, history, doctrine. Even currently, there are like fucking streets named Gentile, which is just... I I grew up off Gentile, actually, in Leighton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anyway... 
On July 4th, 1850, a drunken mob of fishermen went on a mission to kill the Mormons or drive them out, only to be gooped when James fired a secretly acquired cannon at them. Kind of fucking tight. Again, yeah, that's kind cool. of fucking based. That's tight. That is tight. Dressed as like fucking Galadriel. That's yeah. tight. <laughs> Dressed as Galadriel. <laughs> Putting fucking cannons out there. Um, oh, that's tight. Competition for business and jobs added to the tension on the island, as did the increasing Strangite monopoly on local government. So just remember, yeah, basically, are, it's not it's basically Utah now. <laughs> yeah, just like it is now. His king coronation mixed with rumors by the excommunicated members. James was soon accused of treason, counterfeiting, trespassing on government land, and theft, along with a whole ass list of other crimes. And I'm sure he did all of it. Probably. While well, dressed like his little Rin Tin Tin, like yeah. that little, little well, dandy. dressed <laughs> like he's going to Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> a dandy Mordor. Like a Mordor club. Yeah. Yeah. He was brought to trial in Detroit, Michigan after President Milford Fillmore ordered U.S. Millard District Fillmore, you I Gentile. Can't. I can't. You know, my brain's mush. Um, ordered U.S. District Attorney George Bates to investigate the rumors about Strang and his colony. A shock to me, us, and probably him, he absolutely fucking dunked on the trial and gained so much favor by being suave and cool and progressive. He ran for and won a seat on the Michigan State Legislature as a Democrat in 1853. He fucking flipped the script. Dude, I know. They even tried to vote him out twice, like the people in the state legislature, not the people voted for him. The people in the state legislature tried to vote him out twice but failed. James introduced 10 bills, five of which passed. The Detroit Observer on February 10th, 1853 wrote, Mr. Strang's course as a member of the present legislat legislature has disarmed much of the prejudices we have previously surrounded him. Whatever may be said or thought of the particular sect of which he is the local head, I take pleasure in stating that throughout this session, he has conducted himself with the degree of decorum and propriety bro i'm dying i know which have been equated by his industry sagacity good temper apparent regard for the true interest of the people and the obligations of his official oath watching you stumble over those words is like watching my dad type dude <laughs> slow and painful i know we're usually wrong together <laughs> yeah um I was reading about this all day. My brain can't handle <laughs> it. Anyway, he was reelected in 1855 and spearheaded the organization of the upper portion of Michigan's lower peninsula into counties and townships. So this guy was fucking doing it to it. Here's another fucking based take from our guy. He fought the illegal practice of trading liquor to local native tribes due to the common practice of selling them diluted liquor mixed with various components at a high price. So they were essentially like selling diluted and poisoned liquor to native tribes, like at extreme rates. Yeah, and give them the like, good shit. Yeah, he was like, absolutely fucking not. Don't rip them off with this bullshit. Which put a target on his back by the scammers who wanted to profit from this, obviously. Dude, if he yeah. would have just stayed Baptist, man. 
<laughs> no way. And no he way. went no, because he went into he went in such a route now that he's known as like the Mormon king. I and he got lost. King. Like what? 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 He he got lost in the the gravy of history because he got tied up. Like he false flagged himself with Mormonism. No, you're gonna know why he fucking got caught up, and right. it's because he has a bunch of fucking haters. Okay. It's all of his wives. Not, dude, get ready. Fucking brace yourself. To add to this list of haters, not just people who are scamming the native tribes, the biggest one being an excommunicated member named Thomas Bedford, who had been publicly flogged by James for sleeping with another member's wife. I wish we flogged people still. Could you imagine? In a public square. Yeah, by the person who like either caught you or by a person who you wronged. I'm not I'm not upset with this. I know. Neither am I. And and another excommuni- excommunicated member, Dr. H. D. McCulloch, had been banished for drunkenness and other alleged problem causing. And he was especially bitter because he had previously enjoyed like high favor in the church and holding high office in local government. But because he was a drunk piece of shit, they were like, get the fuck out. Yeah. You could have been drunk and fun, but you had to try to use your power for evil. Well, that's This is this one specifically is like, this is why I was like, James, you should have been the guy because Brigham Young was like no fucking drinking, no fucking, you know, but then he was getting fucked up all the time. At least James was like, no, bro. We said no fucking alcohol. Get yeah. the fuck out. And I'm like, damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. So these men conspired against James with the other Mormon enemies on the island. The two big players here being Alexander Wentworth and Dr. J. Adkin Pistols. And they weren't just conspiring to write mean things about him in a burn book. They were conspiring to fucking kill him. Damn. Apparently, James knew that they were coming for his neck, and he openly challenged them in his newspaper. The Northern Islander. Oh, yeah. I want to get what he says tattooed across my fucking throat. Dude, he, the BDE continues. Just fucking wait. He says, we laugh with bitter scorn at all these threats. And then refuse to employ a bodyguard or carry a firearm or any other weapon. He's like, you see these two guns? (laughs) Yeah. God gave me these two guns, and then he kissed each bicep, yeah. but in yeah. doing so, he flexed, and his shirt flew off. <laughs> Straight the fuck up, though. I was like, damn, that's G as fuck. He was like, yeah. come get me, bitch. I'm right here. So, so though, Monday, June 16th, 1856, around 7 p.m., on the docks at the harbor of St. James, Wentworth and Bedford shot James in the back like the fucking cowards they are. Damn. He didn't even have a weapon. They could have shot him in the fucking front. I No, they would have gotten <laughs> dropped, bro. He would have yeah. fucking dropped their ass. Even that scene in Superman where the bullet just hits his eye in slow-mo and then just collapses in on itself. That's what it would have been. And this happened in full view of several officers and men who were stationed on the USS Michigan, a naval vessel, obviously, which was docked in the harbor. Nobody aboard the ship 
made any effort to warn or aid James. They didn't like and the Mormons, fact that they man. put the the people oh because they wanted him dead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the crazy thing too is that they specifically mentioned like not just to help him but to warn him. So you can only imagine that these two fucking idiots were like in plain view. You know, like tripping, falling. I bet they dropped the loaded gun like four times. Like they were kicked it on their way to pick it up. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) do you guys see what's happening? So it was that scene in Austin Powers where he's like slowly rolling towards the guy, (laughs) and he's just like no, and then eventually gets crushed. Hell yeah! Only no one said anything. I know. (laughs) So James was hit three times. One bullet grazed his head, another bullet lodged in his cheek, and a third bullet lodged in his spine, paralyzing him from the waist down. Which, it had to have been his butt cheek, because he was shot from the back. (laughs) (laughs) I want to believe. What else would it be? He's not getting shot in the face. They would have said the face. No, it could still go through. Nah, I don't want to believe it. Okay, we'll say his butt. Shot in the butt. (laughs) Betty knows what to do about that. Little big butt. (laughs) McButt, you can save him. You're the only one (laughs) on Beaver Island. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Just thinking about McButt is going to make this next sentence rough. So, um, James was then pistol whipped um, violently before those fucking assholes ran onto a nearby boat where they both claimed sanctuary. You can claim sanctuary on a boat? Dude, I I don't know boat law, but apparently. Some accused Captain McBlair of the USS Michigan of being complacent in, or at least having foreknown knowledge of the assassination plot, though there was no hard evidence that came up to support this. And the king of Beaver Island was taken to Voree. That's right, bitch. He didn't fucking die there. Uh, He thrived, even. Some might say. While there, his enemies in Michigan were determined to demolish his Beaver Island kingdom. On July 5th, 1856, on what Michigan historian Byron M. Kutchian later called the most disgraceful day in Michigan's history. That's saying a lot because it's Michigan. I know. I was like, Michigan? Do we remember when like the auto industry left? Anyway, a drunken mob of, he's giving the Mormons their term. Gentiles descended upon the island and forcibly evicted every strangite from it. The 2,600 followers were herded onto commandeered steamers after being robbed of their money and personal possessions, and they were dumped onto the docks along the shores of Lake Michigan. So, low key, unfortunately, laying on his deathbed, James refused to appoint a successor telling his apostles to take care of their families as best they could and await divine instruction. James lived for three more weeks after his attempted assassination before dying on July 9th, 1856 at the age of 43. After local law enforcement refused to deliver Bedford and Wentworth to the sheriff, McBlair transported them to what it, what it, Mackinac? 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 Is that a fucking real word? Mackinac? Island, where they were given a mock trial, fined a whopping $1.25, released, and then vetted by the locals. What does that mean, vetted? What do you think it means? I don't know. 
kissed. They were, just a, they were assimilated. Yeah, kissed. <laughs> kissed. Uh, n- n- we're not wrong. Honor or entertain someone lavishly. Yeah, kissed. They were kissed by the locals on the mouth. And on the butt. Yeah. By Betty McButt. <laughs> um, no surprise here. None of the plotters were ever punished for their crimes. And Don't left say to that. A, uh, they got fined a dollar twenty-five. That is true. <laughs> they were only two of them were fined a dollar twenty-five. What was a dollar twenty-five worth in the eighteen forties? It was almost. How fucking 90. dare you? That was forty-two dollars. You know well, you piece of shit. Could you imagine that's it for an assassination? I wish that's all it was. Bucks. I could, I'll pay. I could pay that for that. Forty <laughs> bucks and time. no jail time. Yeah, I'll serve my time on that. Yeah. Um. So left without a prophet to guide them, most of James' followers, including all of his wives, left. They left the church and just left after his death. Most of them later joined the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is another offshoot of LDS that I refuse to lose myself in because it is equally as fucking weird. So Never heard of that either. Yeah, look it up. A few followers still stayed with James's mission, which is, you know, hence why people still kind of know about this, the Stangites. His last and more most important revelation, the Book of Law of the Lord states that a prophet president is only necessary for the established establishment of the rest of God and bringing everlasting righteousness on earth. A lesser degree of the priesthood has frequently stood at the head of the people of God on earth. Basically, instead of believing that James's death and his refusal to appoint a successor was a failure, they believe that they are maintaining the pure faith and awaiting the appearance of a new successor who will take the place of their fallen founder. Today, there are around 300 Strangites still no profit. That's, that's crazy. It. There it is. The Mormon king. Dude, it's How even you, like... what. There might even be less than 300 by this year. Probably. I mean, geez, the the LDS church is losing membership. You think this offshoot is going to maintain any? That's wild, man. It's crazy that we didn't hear about it. Because when I asked Ichabod, he was just like, oh, the Stringite guy. He lost Brigham won. Yeah. I mean, again, like we said at the top, he would be considered a false prophet and learning or asking or inquiring about him and what he was doing would be like a considered a bastardization of the one true church quote unquote and you need to take all of your questions and put them on the shelf (laughs) so there it is how do you feel my nose got more runny I think the day quill that I had taken wore off and now I'm getting into NyQuil territory. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe it's just I have more knowledge in my brain now. So all my snot's got to leak out. Make room for Yeah, it. maybe that is it. Maybe that is um, it. That's crazy. I, it would be fun to do more uh, Mormon-centered episodes about some of the history of Mormonism because it gets fucking fascinating. Like the massacre that happened. Mountain all that Meadows? Stuff. Yeah. 
Um, that is always a fun one. I do think that we should give the gift that the Mormon church won't give its people, which is a true education into its history, Mm -hmm. which is mostly kind of ugly. So yeah, I think an episode on the mountain meadow massacre would be, um, interesting and informative and sad. Um, so also another really great example of how big of a piece of shit Brigham Young was. Um, yeah. And any day I can fucking shit up Brigham Young. It's a beautiful day. So we'll definitely, we'll definitely have to dig into it. But yeah, that's a Mormon King, baby. You're welcome, Kelly. Thanks for recommending it. We had no fucking idea who he was. So appreciate it. I wonder it. if Kelly knows more about him just being in Michigan. Probably. I, I wouldn't be surprised if because he had such like a profound effect on uh, like the growing legislature like that there is some portion of local history that they learn about him in you know what i mean yeah. well, that's a neat that's a fun part of history the mormon history is fun it's interesting um when people get to cover it like i assume maybe in like illinois where joseph smith was um executed not revered yeah <laughs> not not a fan fave it would be interesting to see what they talk about there what they teach there because we have such a um, like tunnel visioned view and you know revisionist mm-hmm. history of what happened, it would be curious to see. Like I would imagine, maybe some of them are like he was just a fucking crazy quack who isn't worth our time. But there's also the current day reality that we have an entire fucking state based off of his religion. So maybe they do have to bring yeah. it up and talk about it. It's just, I would be curious to see what other people say about Mormon influence or them coming through the, you know, the town, whatever, you know what I mean? It would be, it would be fun because um, there's one thing you can't find in Utah and that's the truth, baby. <laughs> There's a lot of banned books here that go into the the real tea of the Mormon church, and you just can't fucking get it here. Yeah. But the internet is free. But again, the problem is they have done such a good job of censoring the who, what, when, and where's that you don't even know what to look up online because you don't even know who the fuck they were or are because sure. they did such a good job of shutting it the fuck down. Yeah. 100% true. As someone who was taught like the history of Mormonism as part of my education growing up in Utah, never heard of this guy. Yeah. And you wouldn't. So interesting. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of things you should know about and should not be censored by the Mormon church, though, is the link tree in all of our bios. I'm at Noel Fane. That is at Sith Lord, that meaning Chelsea. <laughs> God, I need to not do that. <laughs> I never notice until you point it out. So I'm always I was like, yeah, that that is me. Yeah, I is that. I is that. She is her. Um, in that link, you can find pro-choice resources, our merch. You can find where to support us on Patreon. Dollar gets you in. You can get Kelly Holloran's stickers, the ones that she's made and made for us. The lovely angel who um, recommended this episode at Wildwood Owl on Etsy. You can also get our Discord server and, for whatever reason, um, Spotify and Apple links, even though I don't know how you'd be listening to us without it. Um, that's that on that. And I would like to say, um, I don't know if I want to say this real quick. It's Friday and they still haven't released the panel schedule, but we will be at FanX next month. <laughs> we'll see you there. What we're doing, when and where, baby, I don't know. So, You'll know what we do, but right now <laughs> you will. we don't. So. Climb by the seat of our pants. So. Straight up. Um, 
And today, and like most all days, despite my enthusiasm of this religious leader and his um, beliefs, I would like to remind everyone that um, I don't believe in any of it. And what would probably piss him off the most is a quick little meaningful heartfelt hell Satan. Mm, hell NyQuil. Yeah, hell NyQuil. Go to bed. I'm going to. Thank you. Okay. Have Bye. fun at the Ren Fair tomorrow. Will you buy me stuff? I don't know if I'm going to go. Okay. Well, I'll Venmo you if you do go. Okay. I'll let you know. Okay. You can come watch me skate. You're going to... You are a snotty little child with a runny nose going into kindergarten and getting everyone sick. I'm going to skate with a mask on. <laughs> skate with a hazmat suit on. No. Well, if we're sharing everything, including trauma, then I want to share my germs, too. You're such a demon. Okay, let's get out of here. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye.